A reading from Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer, nor be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his day Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Hear what the Spirit 
is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the last Sunday of the church year. It's kind of our New Year's Eve. Next week, a new liturgical year begins when we start Advent, a time of preparing to welcome the birth of Christ into the world and into our hearts. Now, of course, Christ is already in both places, but we just need the practice every year to welcome Christ and to feel the reality of Christ's presence in a tangible way, to choose how we will actively respond to live it more deeply. That's a gift that the repeating cycle of the the liturgical year offers us to practice in deepening our faith and feeling the reality of it, the conviction, our surrender, the nourishment of it, and letting the riches and strength of God's love permeate us and all of our being and flow into the world through us. In recent years, the church has established this last Sunday of the year as a feast called Christ the King. The essence of this is the celebration of the dominion of Christ, the power and rule of love over all things. And that's all things in the larger sense, such as the cosmos, and the larger things in the closer sense in humanity and on earth, and even closer to the depth 
of the core of our being, the vast landscape inside our heart and soul. But what does that really mean? Looking around the world, love or really even sanity don't seem to be reigning supreme. Love doesn't even also always seem to be the ultimate power ruling inside of us, in our choices, in our thoughts, and in what life hands us. So what does this celebration mean when there's so much suffering and violence and evil? How can we believe in the so-called reign of Christ the King, the reign of the power of love over all things? Does our response to this feast even matter? Twenty years ago or so, I was at a retreat uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia with about 25 people and two facilitators who were helping us all to do some deep emotional and spiritual work, sharing and looking at our pain and looking at things that keep us from the fullness of life, from God, from loving. And this is tough work, but ultimately freeing and worth it. And I remember there was a a grandmotherly woman there who I became close to during the weekend from the very beginning We sort of connected and sat together in the group or at meals. She had a lovability about her uh, kindness, but there was also a sort of stiffness, a reserve, or some kind of darkness. And about halfway through the weekend, she began sharing her story with us. She had, uh, it turns out she was a survivor of a Nazi concentration camp. She had been in a camp for about two or three years at the end of the war from the ages of about nine to about 12. She lost almost her entire family, her parents, her siblings, her aunts and uncles. She witnessed brutal murders and violence, painful starvation, a hell, really. And she spoke for a while, and eventually she entered into the black wilderness of her despair, a sacred space. We all felt very reverent as we listened to her, a dark depression and a rage, a deadness inside, a sort of hopelessness. And she asked this question. She was talking to everybody. She was talking to nobody. But she was, she was next to me, and she was looking at me. She had her wrists holding onto my arm, and she said, When this kind of evil can happen, why should I believe in God? How can I have faith in God's love? What does it matter? I felt arrogant to dare say anything. How could I relate to her experience? But without meaning to speak, these words just started coming out of my mouth. And I said, it matters because if you come back to life, and live in love. Evil has not won. Even this darkest evil imaginable, despite all that suffering, God's life and love wins through you and not evil. Light and love win in your life, and it matters for your children and your grandchildren, and it matters for us here to know this, that love and God are more powerful and that this evil did not destroy you. I was uh, relieved to see that my words 
hadn't been offensive, but had somehow been helpful, and I saw something shift in her eyes. And she continued to talk and cry and work with the facilitators, and in her long process, we could all see that God had touched her. And I imagine she still had a lot of work to do with the trauma of her her heart, but in that weekend, a joy came over her, actual a youthfulness and exuberance, a lightness of being. And towards the end of the weekend, she came in from a break and she said, I remembered a song I used to sing in France after the war. It was a popular song that became an anthem of hope and resilience after the trauma of the war. Um, you might know the song. I, I want to play just a piece of it so you can imagine her and her exuberance and joy. She was singing like this, standing in front of us, just belting it out. It was so beautiful. It held us all captive. We were all crying. It felt like, in this perspective, like the dawn of the reign of love in her through God and her own willingness to turn towards it against all odds. The words of this song are a love song, but I can imagine that the beloved one in the song for us as Christians is Jesus. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry said a few years ago, the outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross are a sign of the very love of God reaching out to all of us. Some of the lyrics to this song that Ruth sang are, When he takes me into his arms and he speaks to me, I see life in a new way. He speaks words of love to me. They are everyday words, and they do something to me. He has entered my heart. This is not a tale about a magic moment for Ruth and that all was well from then on, or that healing from trauma takes place in a flash through a simple act of will. Is who knows what Ruth went through after the war to arrive at that point at a retreat and what tremendous work she had done after the retreat. But what she offered to us and is still offering to us here now, 20-some years later, 3,000 miles away, was a profound inspiration and a gift. Clearly, our lives are nothing like her experiences, but her question arising out of the suffering and trauma and dark moment of evil that she went through, her question is relevant to us. It speaks to and illuminates the heart of our human faith journey. The question is just as real and important to our life. Why, in the face of all the evil and suffering on this earth, should I believe in God? How can I celebrate the reign of love? How can that matter? Ruth's story is powerful and humbling, and our choices about faith and whether we respond and engage matter to our souls, to the deeper reality we live in, to our loved ones and our community, to our world, to God, to the supreme reign of love. We have a choice to continually turn to love, 
We make that choice moment by moment and by forgiveness of ourselves and compassion of ourselves for our shortcomings. We can choose to have it rule our lives and hearts in entirety. We can be a force of Christ's love against the great powers of evil that are surging on earth and causing suffering. We have been given tremendous gifts by God, the treasures of the universe, the capacity to give and receive love infinitely. We have bodies that move and act at our command, creativity, imagination, conscious awareness, the capacity to sense the presence of God, to engage with it, to receive guidance from the Spirit, and moral vision and strength to act in the world for justice and ease suffering. This requires practice in skillfulness, and we need community and grace. But here's how much God loves and trusts us, as if all these gifts weren't enough. God's love entrusts us with the free will to decide for ourselves how much to use and inhabit these gifts day to day, moment to moment, to ease the pain of the world in service and to contribute to the reign of love. We can choose to, do, to use them fully or to put them on a back shelf. Our choices to let love reign matter. Jesus made it very clear that his dominion is not about power over, about forcing people into subservience like earthly kings and rulers do. Look at Jesus in today's gospel, selected for the feast of Christ the King. He's hanging on a cross, beaten and dying, next to two thieves, one of whom is mocking him for not forcing his power. If you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save us? Jesus reigns even from the cross in love, first by begging for forgiveness with compassion for the ignorance of those who are carrying out this violence. And he continues with granting the free will choices of the criminals to enter paradise, including the choice of the one who asks to be remembered, that is, reconnected to to paradise by choice, by willingness. An Anglican theologian wrote of Christ's crucifixion, the forces of evil gathered all their strength to put out the light of God's love and failed. Jesus was not defeated. His life and passion revealed truth to us and continue to offer salvation, calling us to choose to inhabit the gifts God has given, to choose love. The word paradise in the Old Testament stood for the Garden of Eden and referred to a dominion where God's will is carried out willingly. We have the choice. God's will for us is to know the paradise, to know the heavenly joy of loving God and one another with all our heart and all our soul and all our minds and all our lives, to choose to accept and use the strength and moral vision to forgive and seek justice in the world, even in the smallest of ways. What will we choose to do with our lives?
Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.